Bags down, spikes on, welcome to the track. My name's Colin Waitsman, I'm going to be your host for another episode of Track World News, and I've got a lot of things to get into this week, so uh, let's make sure it doesn't take that long. Uh, first thing I want to get into, DK Metcalf had an insane run in our chase down in last night's game, or two nights ago, last NFL, NFL week. Love to talk about that and some reactions that we saw in the track world. Then we have some quick news on some colleges and where we're standing when it comes to athletics, track and field, some new more news in that in that aspect. And then we're going to finish up the conversation talking about what are some of the most unbreakable world records out there. Let's see. Let's talk about that. So first, I want to talk about last night's game or last week's game between the Seattle Seahawks and the Arizona, uh, Arizona Cardinals. Uh, DK Metcalf, who's a wide receiver for the Seattle uh, Seahawks, chased down Buda Baker after a interception that was thrown in the end zone. And he ran, what was it, I think over 121 yards to then chase him and tackle him and bring him down. Uh, and he had over a 5-10 yard lead already uh, ahead of him and was able to chase him down. We saw a ton of reactions in the track world. Hey, we need to see DK Metcalf racing against, um, you know, uh, Hill, uh, a whole bunch of other Tyreek Hill, a whole bunch of other um, runners that are you know, people that are really fast in the, in the NFL world. And of course, of course, we got the comparisons to Usain Bolt. Uh, I mean, we always do whenever there is any type of athlete that runs fast. The very first person they compare them to is Usain Bolt, which is super annoying for me because, uh, one, they'll have like all these lists of all these athletes that have ran the 100 or have ran the 200. And for those that don't know track and field, when you see someone's like, oh, Usain Bolt ran a 9-4, well, it's 9-4-8. And then it'll say, oh, and then Tyreek Hill ran a 10-1, a 10.1. It's like, wow, he was less than half a second off. That's not that far at all. He ran a 10-1. When in reality, that is a huge difference. There is there is a ginormous difference between those two. And then it's even more when they look at the 200 and they compare Usain Bolt's 19, was it 1921, 1940, to some people that ran a 2183 in the NFL. Are you kidding me? Like, like that's not even close. They're, they're two completely different times, but they're just using Usain Bolt's name. And, I mean, in some aspect, they're talking about track and field, so you can't be too mad at them. But in other words, it's like, what are you doing? It, you're... That, that's like comparing my triple-double in rec league basketball that I got in the championship game versus LeBron James getting a triple-double triple double in the NBA Finals. It's like, yeah, sure, the stat line's the same, but I'm not as good as him. In fact, I couldn't even get a triple-double in, in rec league basketball, but we won't go there. Uh, next, uh, let's talk about some college track and some updates on those ends. We saw a lot of things happening this week. Uh, for those that don't know, William and Mary, they said that they were cutting the men's track and field program along with gymnastics and I believe tennis as well. Uh, not sure the exact other sports, but they said they're canceling it. And just this Saturday, uh, we saw that the women's team, who is still scheduled to compete and is supposed to be a member of William and Mary, um, they actually taped uh, a jersey as well as a letter that was written by 26 of the athletes on the team, about 60% of the athletes. 
saying that they will not re represent the team in uniform this upcoming year. Um, some of the letter wrote, and I quote, we will begin a campaign of passive resistance to the unfair practices of policies the, college, the college's administration, including the dishonest manner in which the decisions were arrived at. As such, you can expect to see us front and center voicing our concerns about these issues. You can expect us to take our argument, for, our, our argument to our student body, to our faculty, and to our alumni. What you should not expect is for us to show up in uniform representing this institution until this matter is resolved. A college that does not share these core values is not a college to be valued. That <laughs> wow. Uh, kudos. I have to give kudos to William and Mary, the women's team, for doing that and for standing up for the men because that's a lot. That They really, really put their foot down and said, this is not a decision we support. This is not a decision that will stand if you want us to stay. And it means a lot for the administration. It's not just, oh, the women's team isn't competing. That's a shame. We wish we were, they were. It looks bad on the university. No, it's bad because this has Title IX complications. If the women's team doesn't compete and they don't comply as an athletic team, that, that has Title IX uh, complications. And the fact that this them cutting the men's team was quote-unquote due to Title IX complications. Well, first they said it was financial. Then they said it was Title IX. What is it? They, they've kept changing their story. This is going to make those issues even even greater. So what, what's this going to mean nowadays for, for, what, for the, the teams as a whole? So is, are they going to reinstate tracking the men's team because of this? I hope so. I, I've actually been to William & Mary quite a few times uh, to compete. I know a few of the people on the team, and – It'd be a shame to see to see them go down. They have a fantastic facility, great team. Feel bad for the athletes. So we'll see how th where this goes. But crazy news coming out of William and Mary. Uh, definitely give them kudos. They got a lot of recognition from alumni, former students, things of that nature, supporting them in their decision. So we'll see where this goes. Definitely keep you guys updated on what's going on there. Next, we have sadly on the other side of things another school that decided they are no longer going to be having their track and field teams. So um, Missouri, University of Missouri, Kansas City, uh, they said starting November 1st, the Kansas City Ruse are suspending their golf, cross country, and track and field programs for eight months. Uh, this is not great. Uh, it's another Division One program coming out of the WAC conference that's going to be losing we're going to be losing uh that's eight months so what is that ta, 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 ta. Jan november december january february march april may june that's what till june so they're not going to be coming back till for the rest of this year so they're done for this year and they wouldn't be coming back till next cross-country season next fall season which is a shame uh, all those student athletes are gone uh they they said that it's due to a loss of revenue because of covid19 um, makes sense. Uh, they're one of the smaller Division One schools, so obviously they're, they, they were hit hard financially because they ha didn't have the major sports coming out. And uh, they said that all the affected athletes will be able to retain their scholarships and are also going to be eligible to transfer without penalty, which is good. So any of those track athletes, any of the golf, 
cross country, any of those programs, they want to go somewhere else, they're allowed to do that. And they can also, if they want to stay, retain their scholarships, which is good. So uh, we'll see what happens with those athletes if they decide to stay, stay here, go somewhere else. Uh, we'll see what that, that's going to look like. Uh, then we have some good news. So we're going to kind of sandwich the bad news in uh, when it comes to track and field. Wichita State, which is major Division One program out of Kansas, they just said that uh, they're going to be holding an inter-squad meet this upcoming, actually starting yesterday when you're listening to it, it um, Monday, Tuesday, and then Thursday, Friday. They're hosting an inter-squad meet um, indoors, but that's not it. They're going to have fans allowed, which is very, very interesting and pretty huge for uh, indoor track and field. Just yes, last week, just last week, I did a whole episode on why I think indoor track and field's dead. And I said, this is how they're going to have meets with fans. And then now we see this meet um, happening with fans just now. Uh, we're, we're seeing that they're going to be having fans in the stands and actually uh, spoke with their assistant uh, director uh, of track and field, kind of uh, seeing what it is that how how get an inside scoop on what's going on with the meet and um if, if you take a look at their website uh they they post all the information on, on what the protocol is and that so they'll have fans uh, allowed um and everyone will be able to be wearing masks or has to be wearing masks socially distanced uh themselves and the meets are is spread out over a long period of time there's a lot of dis time in between one event and then another event it means the meet happening over the course of almost an entire week first half indoors second half outdoors uh, so there, there should be a lot of space in between, um, the, the, the fans and, and a lot of space in between actual events. Um, cause once one, you watch one event, you're supposed to then leave the facility and then you'll be able to, um, you know, see the next event when it, when it comes in. So, uh, it's great for the sport seeing that we're going to have, uh, fans in the stands are allowed for track meets. Um, this is inner squad. They, I did reach out and they mentioned that. They're, they've been in some communications with other schools within the conference uh, to see what it will be like to have meets within within conference. Um, obviously, they have to know what the protocol is um, by the by the directors and, and seeing what's allowed. But it's a great first step. We've seen a couple inter squad meets happening. This is now a next step of inter squad meets, but with fans. So we'll have to see what happens. I mean, we've seen football already. Uh, and some other sports happening with fans. Now we're having a sport indoors with fans. First one in the NCAA ranks, so we'll have to see how that goes. But that's fantastic to hear, and I'm looking forward to seeing what happens. I really am. Uh, it's great. It's great news. Now, uh, definitely getting into the exciting part of the conversation. What are the most unbreakable world records? Because not all world records are, are built the same. Uh, certain records go down almost every year you see other world records have been standing the test of time for a long for, for forever and other ones there's just such a huge margin of error or s such a huge margin uh, of skill that you may never see them go go down and that's what this is going to be covering so a uh, few things that go into what makes a record the most unbreakable one what is the margin of uh, current athletes and what the record is. So how big of a gap is there between those that are competing now and what the world record stands? Two, uh, two is going to be how long has the world record been standing for? Has it been, was it broken or was it set 
just last year? Was it broken or was it set 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago? How long has it been standing there for? Because that's a huge one. If, if a world record just got set, well, then that if that athlete is still competing, then there's a good chance that they're going to be able to break it again. And that goes into the third part. Is the athlete that broke the record still competing? Because if they're still competing and they're still in their prime, there's a good chance that, I mean, they could break it. And so saying the world record isn't breakable would be nonsensical if they could break it. So uh, those are like the three things that are going to go into uh, a world record being unbreakable. Number five. So the fifth, uh, the fifth hardest world record to break, I say, is the women's hammer throw by Anita Waldraski. I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm working on the on these names. I'm, I, I promise you I am. Uh, she threw 82.98 meters on August 28th of 2016. She's the most dominant hammer throw hammer thrower in all of the sport. Uh, she's has the 27 of the top 30 throws um, of all time, and she owns the top 15 of those throws. So no one, the closest somebody can get right now to being being better than her. It's just be you'd have to be just top 15. You can't even be top 15 at this point because she's so dominant. Uh, she has fantastic speed, great technique, awesome power. The next closest person that's competing right now is nearly five meters away. She's just completely dominant. I mean, what? That's over 16 feet, 16 feet from for the next closest person. So she's just dominant. Um, she, I mean, she's broken this just recently. She is really the the biggest threat. For it for her to break the world record um she just threw out of her mind that day so we'll have to see um what she comes back with when it comes to future throws next number four uh i say the women's 100 by flojo uh 1049 on july 16th 1988 she's that world record's been standing for a while and really no one has even came close uh, the closest time right now, or the next fastest time, so just second place all time, is uh, 0.15 seconds slower, uh, which is a mile when it comes to track and field. That is a huge margin of error. That's that's not even that's not even close. It sounds close, but it's not. And then the Shelly Ann Fraser Price is the next fastest active PR of of 10.7, and she's obviously on the. Um, she's more of a veteran. She's closer to retiring, I would say, than she is to her prime. I mean, I'd still say she has a lot of speed in her. She could definitely improve her PR, but I don't know if she could improve it from 10.7 to 10.49. I mean, that's just, that's insane. Um, crazy speed. Really, no one is there to beat it, which makes it even more harder, even harder, because like I had mentioned with the women's hammer throw, um, that she's still competing. Uh, she's not quite in her in her prime right now. She's as a, a veteran uh, as well, so she might might not be throwing that far into the future. But we'll see. So that, that's another one that's that's just insane. Uh, it's it's a, I still can't believe ten ten four nine. That's that's crazy speed. That's crazy speed. Uh, next in third place, the men's eight hundred uh, by David Radija, one minute forty point nine one seconds. Um, he did that August 9th, 2012 in the Olympics. He's the only athlete to go under 141. So he's, he's gone crazy fast. Um, and really there's not even anyone close to him. I mean, the closest time since 2012 was in 2019 
and it was nearly a second off. Like the fastest person, the closest someone could get to running a 1041 was a, a second off. The fastest. That is a lot. That's a lot. He's, he's winning by huge margins of error. He's easily the best 800 meter runner of all time. Um, we'll have to see what where the record goes and, and how how much it keeps going down i mean because who knows like we could see another wade van niekert of in the 400 where no one thought he was gonna win uh let alone set the world record by an outstanding margin in the 400 he he did great and so it all it takes is to have one fantastic performance i mean that's the same for all of these all of its one jump one throw one run one all of that and you can break it so, I mean, but like I said, it, it's hard. I don't know how that's going to be broken. Uh, number two. So the number two hardest world record that I see uh, is the men's javelin by by John Zelensky. Um, 98.48 meters. He threw that on May 25th, 1996. Uh, he's easily the best javelin thrower of all time. He has five of the top seven throws that have ever been thrown. Um, and up until recently, no one has really even came close. He had a huge wide margin of victory or best up until very, very recently, which is why it bumped down from number one to number two for me. Because uh, Jonas Vetter, or Jonas Vetter of Germany, he threw 97.76 meters. So he's now within that meter range and within striking distance. Now keep in mind, a meter is still huge. Um, he still has a, a pretty wide margin, but he's, he's getting close and he's still in the prime of his career. He has a lot of great throws ahead of him. Um, but yeah, that, that 98.48, I actually remember, I watched the video of it and the, the cameraman doesn't even know where, where the jab is because he was throwing it so far. It was it was nearly out of the, uh, nearly out of the, the the range of where they would actually um, measure things. So, yeah, he, he did that and then, and then competed throwing for another, what was it, like 20 years? Uh, the dude was just an amazing, an animal um, on on the jab runway. I think that's what they call it. Yeah, so he, he's he's head over heels uh, above everyone else. Uh, hopefully, um, you know, we'll, we'll see how, how that record stands. That could be the first one to be break. break. If I see any of these breaking, that's a possibility. That's what we'll have to see. Uh, then, number one, the most difficult world record that I think is out there. And when I was taking a look at these numbers, they're really incredible. Uh, this world record easily will be standing the test of time, performed by the best female athlete of all time, in my opinion. Best female athlete of all time. And actually, not just my opinion, also Sports Illustrated's opinion. That is... Jackie Joyner Kersey's 7,291 point performance in the women's heptathlon that she did on September 24th in 1988. For those that don't know what that that those numbers mean, because it's not just a it's not just a time, it's not a, a throw, it's 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 a whole bunch of things. The heptathlon is is taking a takes a, a variety of of events that that a bunch that women uh, compete in, it's the the women's version of the decathlon. Then they score um, based off of your time um, on several events and based off of your the amount that you throw or the distance that you throw. And then they they give that a point value, and then you add up all your points at the end and you see what you ran or what your score is. 
And so Jackie's performance was so good that both her 100-meter hurdles performance as well as the long jump would have gotten on the podium at the regular Olympic events at that time. They would have – so – and she did – well, oh, heptathlon. I'm going to I'm gonna blow it. I'm going to sound like an idiot. But is it seven events? I think it is. I'm going to – no, six. Yeah, it's six. Yeah, okay. I think it's six. But, yeah, it's uh, the heptathlon. She – she would have scored in the on the regular one and she did multiple events in in over the course of the two days and she would have gotten on the finals uh medal for that not only that she actually then won the olympic gold in the long jump just five days later so she put up incredible performances she's one of the best athletes as i mentioned uh during what was the 90s i think it was 1990 um the Olympics, uh, not the Olympics, sorry, uh, Sports Illustrated named her the best female athlete of all time uh, alongside, I think, Bo Jackson, who was the best male athlete of all time, they named. So she is incredible. She holds the top six performances in the heptathlon. Uh, she's 278 points better than any of the current athletes, which is a huge margin of, uh, of greatness. There's really nobody that's even remotely close to her status she's just been so dominant over the course of her career and it's it's great to have yet again another one of the most influential times and numbers that's an athlete be a woman it's it's great to see Uh, so we're looking forward to having more of those performances hopefully we'll have some athletes coming out the woodworks to break some of these records but what do you think which records did I rank too high? Who got snubbed? Who was ranked perfect? Let me know. I'd love to know uh, what your thoughts are. And uh, thanks thanks for listening or thanks for watching. Uh, this has been another episode of Track World News. My name is Colin Waithman. I'm your host. Make sure that you share, like, subscribe, follow, all that good stuff. It helps us know that you're enjoying the show. And it's, uh, it's really great to see. Um, so thank you, thank you, thank you, everyone, for listening. My name is Colin Waitsman again. Have a good one. Peace.